Greetings in Jesus' name, and I welcome each and every one of you to the, this portion of the service here today uh, as we worship together. A special welcome to the visitors. Um, my heart's cry is that today the name of our Lord and Savior be lifted up. This morning, I was thinking about this, uh, what, what to share on and how to go from there. And uh, as many of you know, today is July 4th. And today is what the country would celebrate as Independence Day. And uh, I want to be careful when I say this because we live in a God's kingdom, not a worldly kingdom. And yet I do recognize that today is July 4th and the freedoms that we enjoy in this world. My heart's cry today is that you would think about it as living in a free world. If that has helped advance the name of Jesus Christ. Or has it led us to be lazy? I don't know if lazy is the right word, but complacent and laid back people. Got a couple things here on the lighter side. Only in America can a pizza get to your house faster than an ambulance. Only in America are there handicapped parking places in front of a skating rink. Only in America do people order double cheeseburgers, large fries, and a diet Coke. Only in America do we leave our cars worth thousands of dollars in the driveway and put our junk in the garage. I found it kind of amusing. Some of them are a little bit maybe overly true. But I just on a little bit uh, more serious side here, suppose we, we could compress the population. And this is a few years ago, so I'm not sure exactly if all the figures are perfectly right, but it, the point I want to make is suppose we compress the population of Earth into one town of a thousand people. In this town there would be only 60 Americans. And yet we 60 Americans would receive half the income of the entire town. We would own 15 times as much per person as all our neighbors. We would eat 72% more than the maximum food requirement and many of the 940 people otherwise would go to bed hungry at night. And I found them, uh, Steve Shepard had shared that, and I, and I found it intriguing to me, because as I said, we, uh, we live in a free country. We've been blessed. And sometimes some of them conveniences, we call them, I ask you the question is if they have helped us walk our life with Jesus Christ. Because what are we doing for Jesus Christ? And when I say lazy or complacent or distracted in America, I don't say it's just an American problem by any means. But we live in a free country, which I say, wow, that's amazing. There's many, many, many people that are persecuted dramatically for their faith. And yet we can stand on a street corner and preach the name of Jesus Christ. We can tell that person down the road about Jesus Christ. We can, we can live our life. But what has led us to the point where sometimes I fear, if I can say this kindly, that our freedom has led us to be complacent Christians for Jesus Christ. Even though you would say, okay, so if you go here and you proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, you could lose your head. Ooh. All right. 
But if you go over to this country, you can say, you can proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. You can witness to the world. You can tell the world about Jesus. They might not like you. They might not accept it. But you're not going to be harmed for it. Which would we choose? Being human, I'd choose the free country. I don't think there's probably anybody here that wouldn't, don't enjoy freedom. We enjoy liberty. But what has led us as a country to the point where at one time we were evangelical Christian country? That's what we were known as. And a lot of the world today still kind of has America as that. Quite a while back I had seen a study of the amount of people in America. And they said if you take 70% said they were Christians. He says our churches would not hold the millions that should be in church this morning. So where are they at? Patrick Kennedy shouted, give me liberty or give me death. The next generation shouted, give me liberty. And someone said the present generation shouts, give me. I had to think about that. Am I part of that generation? Give me. Or what am I doing for Jesus Christ? Come across this illustration. Preacher John Wesley traveled 250,000 miles in 40 years on horseback. He preached 40,000 sermons, produced 400 books, knew 10 languages. At the age of 83, he was annoyed because he couldn't write more than 15 hours a day without hurting his eyes. At age 86, he was ashamed that he couldn't preach more than twice a day. He complained in his diary that there was an increasing tendency to lay in bed until 5.30 in the morning. He considered himself lazy. But I had to wonder, and I'm not giving John Wesley the praise here, but what have we done for Jesus Christ? I fear that sometimes... Our freedoms have led us to actually be slaves to the world around us. Amongst the freedom we would experience, we don't become genuine enough, if I can say it that way, and sold out enough for Jesus Christ. Do I think that means we need, we need uh, persecution? No. I think what that means is we need to get real with Jesus Christ. Because there's no reason that freedoms in our country has hindered our walk with Jesus Christ. I don't believe there's any reason for that. Because it is a heart condition with each one of us. And where are we at? This morning, I'd like to turn to John 8 and read verses 31 through 41. And I would like to not focus on the freedom we experience in America, but I'd like to focus on the freedom we can experience in Jesus Christ. And I came across this, right? I want to put this out there before I read John 8:31. Came across this by Dennis Davidson. It says, Jesus here is continuing to address those who think they believe who think they follow God. They had the notion that they were children of God, but had never yielded to him the depth of allegiance that is at the core of real belief. It is a dangerous spiritual state. 
Because they would not yield the true allegiance to God and his word. They would not yield true allegiance to Jesus. They were self-willed, self-confident, self-satisfied with their hardened condition. They, they possessed a blind determination that they knew what was right and true. Therefore, the word of God could not be received. Because they refused to yield to God, they became the enemies of Jesus. Their confidence came with powerful spiritual force that blinded them to the truth and held them back from the right course of action. And I know here he's, what this comment is made, because if you turn back to verse 30, it says, it, as he spoke these words, many believed. And he's speaking here, and he's talking to the Jews, Abraham's descendants. And I bring this up because I know we sit here and say, well, we're not Jews, maybe. But I got a question for you. Do, does any of our life align with those statements? Self-willed, self-confident, self-satisfied in our own condition. They think they believe. They think they follow God. They have never yielded to the depth and the allegiance of true belief. And that is a dangerous, dangerous spiritual state. So I would like to look at that this morning a little bit as we go forward in, uh, in John chapter 8, starting at verse 31. Then Jesus said, to those Jews who believed, if you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Can you say you will make you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a sin does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, the son makes you free. You are free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. I'm going to stop there. And I know, that, I know it goes on into a little more depth, but I don't feel we're going to get there today. So I'm choosing to stop there. But I, I want to go back up to the, to the top there. And as he says here, he says, to the Jews who believed him. So there was some sort of a belief system, if I can say it that way. And I believe he was speaking to them that knew who he was to some sort, but they had not believed him and become true followers of Jesus Christ. Because he states, he says, the first thing there is, that if you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed. So what does it mean to abide? If we're going to talk about true freedom here today and true freedom in Jesus Christ, what does it mean to abide, to dwell in, to remain in, to continue in, and to live in? So he says, if you abide in my word, then you shall know the truth, and you are my disciples indeed, then you shall know the truth, and the truth will, be, will make you free. 
Does this describe your relationship with Jesus Christ? Does when Jesus says, if you abide in the word and you are my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We just talked a little bit about freedom. And that's what I'd like us to focus on this morning is spiritual freedom in Jesus Christ. Are we abiding? Do we dwell in? Do we live in God's word? Or do we occasionally reference it when we hit a hard point in our life? Do we occasionally use it when we need it in an argument? Or is it part of who and what we are? See, I fear sometimes in our complacency that we occasionally want God's word in our life. That's not abiding in God's word. We want to listen to what we want to listen to. We want to apply what we want to apply to our life. Because it's easier that way, we think. I believe he says, you are my disciples indeed. You have to have that relationship with Jesus Christ first and foremost. I don't want to skip that part. That, that salvation experience with Jesus Christ has to come first. So once you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your life, you must abide in his word. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And when we hear the word free, I don't know what goes through your mind, but oftentimes you can do whatever you want. Freedom means you can just do whatever. But when the Bible says you abide in the truth, and if you're living in the truth, you will be free. What I'd like us to realize this morning, that this freedom is when we walk with the Lord and abide in his truth. These guys then argued that they were Abraham's descendants and they were free already. And I think that's exactly where too many of America is today. We're already free. We can do what we want. Yeah. You're right. Selfish ambitions are listed with awful sins. And as we follow in his freedom, it should draw us closer to Jesus Christ. Freedom should not draw us away from Jesus Christ. So when we have freedom and we say, well, we want to do this or we want to buy this or we want to live this way or that way or whatever it may be. I'm not picking on one subject here this morning. But our life as a general hub should resemble the truth in God's word. And if it does not, then we are not free. Then we are bound. See, the question I think we should ask ourselves more often than we probably do, or I should ask myself more often than I do, is what I want to do or what I am trying to do with my life, does that bring glory to Jesus Christ? Or is it about me? Is this something I want? Is this something that the peers around me have and i got to compete and keep up? Because if it does not glorify Jesus Christ, before too long, we are actually slaves when we think we started down a road of freedom. It absolutely amazes me. You think, well, I'm free. I can do this. I can have this. I can. And you're right. But that freedom will enslave you if it's not done and pointed to Jesus Christ. 
The only true peace and freedom comes from Jesus Christ. So the question I'd like you to ask yourself when you're dealing with any of that, any issue like that, is what is this really for? Are this my motives? Or is this to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ? Does this, am I treating my neighbor as myself? See, that one right there just, just gets a lot of things summed up. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes it's almost you say, well, it's easier to love the Lord your God because God is perfect. Then he says, all right, fine, love your neighbor as yourself. Now that becomes a little bit more difficult sometimes. There's some real neighbors that are pains in the backside, if I can say it kindly. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Look out for somebody else. So many times I think we forget to abide in the word and follow the truth of God's word because of selfish ambitions and desires. And then we have to go back and wonder why we're not free. Then we ask the question, well, why aren't we free? What happened to freedom? Verses 34 to 38, Jesus addresses, whoever commits a sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son. And I'd like to, before I go any farther, address the positive side. Because Jesus Christ is what gives us that freedom. The fact that he died on the cross is the reason we can be free spiritually. Nothing else. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough positives. You can't live right enough without Jesus Christ. It will not work. His, the Holy Spirit in your life is what will bring you freedom. And following that Holy Spirit. But, but when we go back, there's also some practical steps, and that's what I'd like to look at a little bit this morning, is these practical steps of living a free life, not enslaved to sin. See, sin will slay, enslave us. He says, if you, if you commit a sin, then you are a slave to sin. We all know we are born of sin nature. So without Jesus Christ, we are still a sinner. We are enslaved to sin. But when we've accepted Jesus Christ, if we choose to allow our possessions... Our love of money, our wealth, our pride, our entertainment, our own skills. The very skills and the very thing that God gave you can be a distraction in your freedom quest with Jesus Christ. It absolutely amazes me that the creator who put all these things together and gave you the ability to sing, to talk, to, to whatever you're doing... That very creation has a very tendency in their own desires is to take the glory from the creator and apply it to themselves. We love to be a prideful person. We love to say, see how good I can do this? When we should be saying, no, I'm just here because Jesus put me here for some reason. And I'm going to do everything I can to walk in freedom for his sake. We have materialism. And materialism is not all wrong. You have to live somewhere. It's not wrong to own things. But do they own us? Do they, do they own us to the point where we cannot see through it? See, I believe in this world, come across an illustration by Ralph Emerson. He says, a person will worship 
something. Have no doubt about that. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. Therefore, it behoves us to be careful what we worship. For what we are worshiping, we are becoming. We need to be careful not to worship the gift instead of the giver. And that one has really, really made me think. Because we will worship something. You live in a free world. We live in a free country. So there's all kinds of access to all kinds of things. But what we put our ambitions, our motives, and our time for is what we're worshiping. We can argue with God if you want. He knows your heart. You're not arguing with me. You're not arguing with your neighbor. You're arguing with God. What are your motives? What are your passions? What are you worshiping? I bring that up because when I think about possessions, love of money, and all this other stuff that clouds our judgment sometimes, and we think we're free in that because we enjoy that. But in the end, we become slaves to that. What we think started as freedom ends up enslaving us. We can be enslaved by guilt. When he says, a slave does not, not abide in his house, but a son abides, Jesus Christ breaks that. But sometimes past guilt will become a slave. Max Takeda tells a story about the boy who was shooting, shooting rocks with a slingshot. He could never hit his target. One day when he was at his grandma's backyard, he spied her pet duck. On impulse, he took aim and let fly. The stone hit, and the duck was dead. The boy panicked, hid the duck in the woodpile only to look up and see his sister watching. After lunch that day, Grandma told Sally to help with the dishes. Sally responded, Johnny told me he wanted to help, he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to him, Remember the duck? So Johnny did the dishes. What choice did he have? For the next several weeks, he was at the sink often, sometimes for his duty, sometimes for his sin. Remember the duck? Sally'd whisper when he objected. After a while, though, he grew so weary of the chore, he decided that any punishment would be better than washing more dishes. So he confessed to killing the duck. I know, Johnny, his grandma said, giving him a hug. I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing. Because I love you, I forgave you. I wondered how long you would let Sally make a slave out of you. He carried the guilt with him. And for fear of what would be done, he chose to be a slave to guilt. The more we walk in our own selfish desires, the deeper into slavery we have become. So I ask you the question, I don't know in your life where you're at, but are you a slave to sin, are you walking in freedom because you know the word of God? It says the truth will set you free. The truth of God's word. The truth of what we are here for. In verse 36, Therefore the Son makes you free, and you will be free indeed. He says, I know you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me. That's not what your father did. But in verse 36, the Son of, of God, Jesus Christ, is what will give you freedom. Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
in Jesus Christ our Lord. John, 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, being free in God's Word is a beautiful place to be. It doesn't mean you live by your own judgment, but it means you live by what the Holy Spirit is telling you. If we want to be free, then we must become a servant of the Most High God. And a servant is someone who serves. See, right now, that doesn't sound like freedom. Who wants to be a servant? Who wants to actually be a servant to somebody else? Physically, right now, in my human flesh, say, no, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to be a servant. Who wants to be told, go wash the dishes, go mop the floor? That's not what we're here. That's not what we enjoy. Go hang out with someone I don't want to be with. Well, I don't want to do that. I got friends to call. My question for you is, are you a servant of the Most High God? And once we became a servant of the Most High God and we choose to serve, and we choose to lay our sins down and ask Jesus Christ to forgive them, it's where we will find true freedom. It may not be fun in the world's standards, but I do believe that serving someone and serving each other and living for Jesus Christ to serve, that's what Jesus Christ was. And that's why I think the truth is so prevalent today is because the Bible is very direct that we are to follow God's footsteps and he came to serve. Are we serving? Are we the generation says, just give me? Or what are we? I believe the only way we will find true freedom in Jesus Christ is laying it all at the cross and then living out God's word in our life. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for all the gifts you've given us. We thank you for all the blessings you've granted us with. We thank you for just the gift of life. We thank you that we can get together and we can worship you. And we can worship you without any thought of authorities or people coming. But God, we thank you for that privilege. But let us not get complacent with that privilege, God. Let us drive it, drive us to motivate us to continue to serve you, to walk with you, to live this life out dedicated to you and to serve one another. I pray, God, as we go from here, that we can honor and glorify you in everything we do and say. We ask this all in your name. Amen.